Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Before we talk about today's show, I would like to say thank you to all my guests who have been featured on the Gladiatrix podcast to date. I have a dream. There are 193 countries in the United Nations, and I have a dream that I can host at least one woman from every country in the world on this podcast. That is 193 countries, 193 stories, and 193 shows. So if you know of somebody who should be featured on the show, please drop me a note. I would really appreciate it. In today's episode, we're speaking with Kritika Kultreshta. Kritika was born in India, but she has also lived in the Middle East. Even though both her parents were doctors, Kritika decided to pursue a degree in engineering. However, after she worked in the field for about a year, she realized she probably would like to do something else. She also speaks about losing a parent, coping with grief, being outside your comfort zone, and following your passion. This is her story. Hi, Kritika. Thank you so much for being on the Gladiatrix podcast. I'm really excited for you to be here because I think a lot of young women would really benefit from hearing your story. Thank you, Malini. It's a privilege to be here. No, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. So um, let's dive right in. So you said that you were, um, you grew up as an only child, um, both in India and in the Middle East. So what were some of the experiences that um, shaped your upbringing? Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm an only child and both my parents um, are doctors. And um, you know, early on, uh, my parents instilled the importance of hard work in me. And, um, you know, like family time was always important. So uh, even though my dad was busy as a doctor, he used to work in the Western Railways, and he worked there for over 25 years, uh, up until 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, you know, considering that it's so crazy, um, working as a doctor, you know, your work hours are so erratic, um, he would still take out time to, you know, um, spend time with me, spend time with the family, Um, also sometimes spend time with homework, you know, so he would help me with my Hindi lessons. Um, Of course, mom um, gave up uh, her career when I was just three years old. So she's also a doctor. Um, But then she stopped practicing when I was three years old, because she wanted to focus on the house and on me. And, you know, so clearly, you know, family was important back then. And, you know, she wanted to take care of me and pay attention to my my academics. Um, so academically, I was always very strong. I was always, um, you know, among the top 10 in the class. And, um, you know, because both my parents 
had chosen difficult professions. It's not easy to get into a field like medicine. Um, so they always encouraged me to focus on my academics, but also um, give enough time for sports. So, you know, I was in the marching squad um, in school. I used to take part in the school choir. Um, so I was always good at singing. I'm not a trained singer, mm-hmm. but um, I used to take part in the school choir. I used to participate in into school um, singing competitions. I always lo- loved dance as a kid. So mm-hmm. I would also participate in dancing competitions. And, um, you know, even outside, I would um, enroll for classes over the summer. So mm-hmm. every summer was time for me to kind of pick up one new hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it was calligraphy or dance or music or mm-hmm. painting, um, my mom would accompany me to all those classes. And um, so summertime, you know, those two, three months that you get, it was time to kind of focus on a different activity, mm-hmm. um, to do a lot of reading. So mm-hmm. I would love books as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was enough importance given to sports, to extracurricular activities and to academics. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, my parents definitely wanted me to choose a professional career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and both of them were strong role models for me um, mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, considering that um, both your parents were doctors, but you didn't go into medicine though, right? Yes. So what did yes. you study in college? So, um, you know, medicine is a very different field and it takes years to settle down you know um, mm-hmm. and so my parents um, had seen the struggles of the profession and they didn't want me to go into medicine and you know personally as a kid I didn't want to come back home and talk um, you know have those conversations at the dinner table about you know what happened to which patient you know mm-hmm. um, because I, like I grew up hearing all of that and mm-hmm. I just didn't want that for myself <laughs> um, so um, yeah so engineering just seemed like the you know, next choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Because most of my family, they're either doctors, lawyers, or engineers. Mm -hmm. Um, We have no one in the arts in our family. So Mm -hmm. you can say I'm the first in my family to actually pick a career in the arts. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I did engineering in college, uh, Mm -hmm. four years of engineering in computer Mm -hmm. science. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I did work for Mm -hmm. two years with Deloitte Consulting as a quality assurance analyst Mm -hmm. um, in their Mumbai office. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So, so you're kind of uh, different from the rest of the family because you moved from um, engineering to the arts. But uh, your, um, um, I know you said your dad uh, passed away when you were young, it was before you went to college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So how did that affect your decision or how did that change or did it change anything about your outlook to life? Yeah, so um, so 2002, like I had mentioned, um, we moved to Bahrain. So my dad did work in the railways for 25 years, and then he took voluntary retirement because mm-hmm. there was a great opportunity in Bahrain. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved there for two years, and we lived there from 2002 to 2004. Um, so living in Bahrain also shaped a lot of my experiences and you know, how I started viewing the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time that I was getting out of my comfort zone where um, I had literally given up um, the life I had known back in Mumbai mm-hmm. um, to, you know, completely live in this new place. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make new friends. I had to, you know, understand the local culture. I had to also find a way to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But Bahrain was a great experience. It taught me a lot of things. And we moved back in 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, to Bombay and we were here for two years and 
and um, so during that time i was preparing for my engineering entrance exams mm-hmm. and um, i was scheduled to give them in june of 2006 mm-hmm. and um, yeah just a few weeks before my engineering entrance exams my dad passed away and um, he had a heart attack so mm-hmm. it was quite sudden even though he had been a heart patient for years it was quite a shock to the family mm-hmm. and uh, i was only 17 at that time and mm-hmm. uh, you know my exams were 3 weeks away mm-hmm. um so literally my um you know it was it was it was just me and my mom mm-hmm. and you know all of a sudden things changed um you know we had to find a way to do things by ourselves whether mm-hmm. it was figuring out you know the family finances mm-hmm. um for me it was more about focusing on my exams you know mm-hmm. getting through those 3 weeks um being able to focus amidst all of that chaos mm-hmm. and um, because i did have to get a high score to get mm-hmm. into the college of my choice mm-hmm. so it was a difficult period but to a certain extent the preparation the studies they kind of took my mind away from the grief mm-hmm. um it did take a few months to process that grief and to figure out you know what we were going to do now as a family mm-hmm. and you know this was it you know mm-hmm. um eventually the acceptance started coming in that this is what our life is going to be and mm-hmm. now you have to move forward um with all the good memories and mm-hmm. somehow through all of it i remained strong um at that point of time i didn't label it like that but mm-hmm. i somehow just ended up um being a pillar of support for my mom mm-hmm. uh, because i didn't want her to break down or to lose hope mm-hmm. um so we so we literally fought together and we kind mm-hmm. of got through that phase mm-hmm. and um i am thankful for that experience of course nobody really wants to lose a parent but mm-hmm. it definitely um when you're exposed to loss at such an early age mm-hmm. um you become resilient to a certain mm-hmm. degree mm-hmm. um you know you you st- you stop taking things for granted um and it's it's a it's a real reminder that you know life is short and you should be making the most of it mm-hmm. um you know so it does it does grief like that teaches you a lot so i am thankful for the um lessons that i've received mm-hmm. and the person that i've become as a result of it you know for someone so young you seem to have a very good grasp of you know um of how to handle life i'm sure your mom must be just a strong personality you know for you yes. two guys to i mean i can imagine you one being the only child and you know a daughter and then i'm sure the extended family had probably you know a million things that they wanted to either say or do or say oh you should do this and do that you know considering like and you had exams going on and i'm sure they everybody had an opinion or something mm-hmm. so i'm sure that must have been really really hard um for you guys yeah yeah it was um but then you know um like most of my family you know they know how strong my mom is and mm-hmm. you know of course they had tons of advice to give mm-hmm. um but you know after the first week or two you know everybody has to get back to their lives you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um at the end of it no matter how close you are you have to pick yourself up and mm-hmm. you have to find a way to do things yes mm-hmm. the family is there as support but you know if it's like figuring out the family finances or mm-hmm. you know managing stuff in the house that's something that you need to do and so my mom had to learn to do it by mm-hmm. herself mm-hmm. Uh, because up until that point um the majority of you know the financial side of the house and everything was taken care of by my dad 
right uh my mom's like he's still involved my mother in all of those decisions mm-hmm. but you know it was his responsibility and my upbringing was her responsibility and mm-hmm. you know whether it was school whether it was studies it was mm-hmm. all mom mm-hmm. um so i do credit her for you know um the fact that i'm a writer today i do credit her for that mm-hmm. um but yeah but then suddenly you know overnight she had to take up all of those responsibilities mm-hmm. and um you know be more aware of what was happening with the mm-hmm. finances and and ensure that i went to a good college mm-hmm. and that i was settled and i had you know figured out my career and all of that so mm-hmm. um i would say yes she is a very strong woman and she has been she has continued to remain one of my biggest role models mm-hmm. um i feel like i have half the strength that she mm-hmm. does like mm-hmm. she's way stronger than me and so even if i fumble i know that i have a strong support in her mm-hmm. um and sometimes we joke and say that you know i'm not as strong as her and you know she can't really um rely on me for support in that sense mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know so we kind of have that internal joke mm-hmm. um but but yeah she is one strong lady so um so considering that your mother had to kind of figure out her finances you know like all of a sudden like pretty much overnight had to figure out how to do things and you know um worry about your college and everything what was the conversation between the two of you as far as finances i don't know were, were you exposed to knowing how to do finances before your father passed away or was that a, a topic for you as well and did you and your mom discuss it you know now that it's just the two of you yeah so i think after my dad passed away yes uh, my mom and i had discussions about you know um how we were going to invest the money and um, like you know she was going to get a pension mm-hmm. um because my dad had retired from the railway so mm-hmm. you know um the the spouse does get a pension so then right. you know figuring that out then you know completing the formalities for that mm-hmm. um then you know um you know even in terms of the house and mm-hmm. you know getting all the other registration done um mm-hmm. all of that needed to be done but she kept me involved throughout the process because mm-hmm. um you know when it comes to finances my mom wants to involve me and wants to make sure that i know where the money is going mm-hmm. so even my first paycheck i gave it to her to um you know invest you know my first job which i got in 2010 Mm-hmm. um so i gave it to her to invest because by then it had already been 4 years and you know she had kind of you know she started understanding more about the stock market and mm-hmm. um you know um, what are the best mutual funds out there to invest in mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. what are the sips that you should be looking at so she started really improving her financial knowledge mm-hmm. and you know so she started kind of including me in those conversations and whatever information she used to get mm-hmm. um she would pass it on to me Mm-hmm. um and i would of obviously soak in as much as i could at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. um but yeah she definitely kept me involved at every stage and we even today we constantly have those discussions you know um, mm-hmm. even today when i get my salary it's it's about okay how do we grow the money or mm-hmm. how, where do we invest mm-hmm. you know um i have never been a kid who has splurged money i mean mm-hmm. that's not the upbringing that uh, i've been given so mm-hmm. um right from an early age i would never really demand things like mm-hmm. oh this is the barbie doll that i want or this mm-hmm. is um mm-hmm. you know the 
is the game that I want. Like mm-hmm. I, I never did that. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 I got gifts, I would appreciate them. I would be extremely happy, but mm-hmm. I would never demand it of somebody. Mm-hmm. So I've never been that. So even if I get my salary, I, I like to see my money grow. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get like I kind of like to protect it and save it and grow it. I mm-hmm. I, I don't like to spend it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very mindful of when I spend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's been ingrained in me from an early age. <laughs> So, so when um, after your dad passed away, your mom, your mom didn't go back to work because she was able to manage with the pension and whatever else she was getting, right? So she was home. Yes. Okay. Yes, she was home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, nowadays, you know, even today, there are a lot of women who don't understand finances because the husband is usually the one who takes care of it, and then something happens, and all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of thrown into the mix, and you have to figure out things. So. so I'm glad your mother included you and stuff. So you're probably much more financial savvy than most young women your age, because, you know, they probably wouldn't even bother about it because they're like, ah, I don't need to worry about it. I'm okay. And <laughs> yeah. then something happens and then you're like, crap, I need to figure True. out. Yeah. So, um, so, so your dad passed away right before you entered, um, before you did the engineering exam and then you got into engineering and you went through engineering, but then something happened for you to change your mind and change majors, right? Or go into a different industry. How, how did that transition happen? Yeah, so I completed uh, four years of engineering and my first job was with Deloitte Consulting and mm-hmm. I spent two years with them. So in the second year when I was at Deloitte, um, I realized that I did not want to continue pursuing a career in software development and Mm -hmm. um, testing. Mm -hmm. Um, I realized that, you know, even engineering, it was not something that I was passionate about. I did Mm -hmm. it because I was always, um, I was always a nerd in school um, Mm -hmm. and I was good at science. Mm -hmm. Um, So 2012 was when I made the decision to quit Deloitte. And Mm -hmm. it was um, in a way, a completely random decision. I had no plan whatsoever Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do a master's Mm -hmm. Um, so an MBA was definitely on the cards because you know most engineers they end up doing an MBA Um, and at that point of time the MBA was on the horizon I thought okay let's get an MBA but I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do an MBA in marketing or finance Um, you know no one in my family has done marketing and Mm -hmm. finance was always something I was not interested in finance you know Mm -hmm. I always considered it as something that I was forced to do or that I just have to do it's one of those life skills you should Mm -hmm. know what's Mm -hmm. happening with your money Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a life skill but I wasn't passionate about doing a two-year course in that so Mm -hmm. um, and then I just sort of reflected on my high school years and you know I was always um, you know I loved writing poetry in high school and a couple of my poems had been published uh, in the school magazine Um, I used to write for myself so you know to write to express um, you know when I used to feel low as a kid I would like to express my emotions through writing so um, I thought back to all of those experiences but I figured that I can't make a career out of writing poetry mm-hmm. and I did not want to become a novelist. Um, so I kind of considered a few options. I did give a lot of the MBA entrance exams as well because I wanted to have a backup, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so I did give MBA entrance exams in India. I even applied to, you know, I gave the GMAT as well. So once I gave the GMAT, I even applied to MBA schools in Canada mm-hmm. and one MBA school in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, but then somewhere along the way, I realized let's explore, um, you know, the field of writing. Let's see what writing has to offer because, um, 
um, you do an MBA only if you want to continue in that same field or mm -hmm. if you want to specialize in something like marketing or human resources or finance. Mm -hmm. And I did, I was not sure about any of those um, courses. So I looked up writing courses in the US. Um, I looked at journalism courses as well. And during that time, I started doing a lot of internships, you know, mm -hmm. um, back here in India. I thought, let me get some experience in writing um, and, because I had zero experience in that mm -hmm. professionally. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought, let me get some experience and simultaneously let me look up courses as well. Um, so I did internships with the Youth Ki Abas. Um, I did a couple of um, writing gigs with a couple of boutique firms. So mm -hmm. one of them was Pixie Dust Writing Studio. And uh, I can say that that was my first writing experience. I did a lot of ghost writing for different clients. Mm -hmm. And I spent that year doing that. So from 2012 to 2013, I did a lot of ghost writing. I did these internships to get as much experience as I could. And um, as I started doing those, I realized that I love telling people's stories. I like interviewing them and, you mm -hmm. know, um, talking to strangers and finding out, um, you know, why they, why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I zeroed in on journalism programs. I figured, okay, let's get a journalism degree. I'll at least get some useful skills. And um, then I will decide what to do next. Mm -hmm. um, so I did apply to um, about 10 journalism programs in the US. And, um, you know, I wrote my own SOP and I prepared my own recommendations. I went back to all of those uh, people who had helped me get those internships with whom mm -hmm. I had worked in that one year. And I mm -hmm. got recommendations from them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so at every stage, I feel people um, sort of validated my decision. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they, they liked my writing um, and it was really a good experience working with them. They, they saw the potential in me mm -hmm. um, to pursue a career in this field and mm -hmm. that also uh, made my mom a little more confident because even for her you know she thought okay I've spent my whole life doing science I've done engineering and now suddenly I want to pivot and get into content writing and journalism mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so it just came out of the blue even for her and you know even for the rest of my family but then um, my, you know, even for my mom, when she started seeing those recommendations, when she started seeing that, okay, people are appreciating my work and I'm good at what I do, mm -hmm. um, it, it gave her that confidence to, you know, push me and, you know, she, she always wanted me to go abroad to live by myself and um, to have that kind of exposure. Mm -hmm. So she was very supportive of the decision. She just felt that I should do an MBA. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when, when she saw that, okay, you know, people are appreciating my work, um, she was like, okay, if this is what you want to do, if, if, you know, journalism is going to make you happy and, you know, you're not going to have any regrets after this point, then uh, go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so then I applied to journalism programs in the US and um, I, then got into all of those 10 programs and then I had to make a decision to choose the school. Mm -hmm. um, so that was another tough decision. And I, you know, had different criteria in my head about, you know, cost of living as a student and mm -hmm. um, public transportation and the university's reputation and the program and, you know, mm -hmm. um, so many different factors. And eventually I zeroed in on um, UT Austin mm -hmm. in Texas. And uh, yeah, so I chose their journalism program and uh, I spent two years there at UT Austin. So, um, so I know while you're going through the process of deciding, you know, which college and how to do it. And I'm sure you like you said, your mother was a big supporter, but if she had told you don't go, 
and find mm-hmm. something here, would you have stayed? I would have tried to convince her that I want to go and I would have definitely tried and, you know, I would have mm-hmm. made her understand why this was important to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she got that because, um, you know, this was one of the things that I told her that, uh, you know, I can make a lot of money now being a computer engineer or sticking right. to software development, mm-hmm. but I am not happy going to work every day. Like when mm-hmm. I wake up on a Monday morning, I am dreading it, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. I find it to be very tedious, you know, mm-hmm. the work that I do and to mm-hmm. spend 10 hours at your work doing mm-hmm. something you don't love. Right. Right. Um, that was something that I told her that that's not me that's like I can't do that you know I've Mm -hmm. done it for two years like I did it the first year it was exciting new job Mm -hmm. but you know by the second year I couldn't do it anymore I just did it for the paycheck Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember a lot of my colleagues also they said oh let's make money now we'll figure we'll think about our passion later you know Mm -hmm. there's plenty of time to you know fulfill your passion but Mm -hmm. um, I knew that I had to love my job like if it gets me money if it's serving a purpose, if it's 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 helping fill some gap in the industry. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the best combination ever. So that is something that I really wanted to explore. So mm-hmm. yes, I mean, if she had stopped me from going, I would have respected her decision, but mm-hmm. I would have, um, you know, 500% tried to convince <laughs> her that I really want to go. And mm-hmm. this is something that I really want to do. Okay. No, I mean, that makes sense. I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't expect anything less. So you, you would want to do that if you're so passionate about it. So you moved to the US and um, you were here for a couple of years. What was that experience, right? Because you've been, you, you were coming into the US for the first time, right? You're living on your own for the first time um, and surviving in a completely new environment. So what were some of the, the good things and some of the hard things about, you know, being over here and living by yourself? Yeah, so I remember in so I moved to the US in 2013 in August 2013. So the summer of 2013, um, most of the time I spend in, you know, looking up apartments. So I was Mm -hmm. here in Mumbai, I was looking up apartments in Austin, Mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out the bus routes um, from my apartment to campus, Mm -hmm. um, trying to find roommates. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, trust me, finding roommates (laughs) is so hard, like the the process is so taxing. So I was just looking for another girl to be my flatmate but even Mm -hmm. that was so hard Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember that this was my first time living abroad and you know I I wanted my own room. I did not want to share a room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember a lot of girls wanted their boyfriends to come over. And, you know, it was just a very different experience for me. So mm-hmm. I did not, I was not comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So that was one reason why I ended up rejecting a lot of flatmates because mm-hmm. everybody wanted their boyfriend to live with them. And mm-hmm. um, it was just a very crazy experience. But mm-hmm. in the end, I decided that, you know, at least for the first year, let me find a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay living by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so my mom also decided that she would accompany me for the first three months. So she okay. actually got a tourist visa and she was like, okay, I will come. Mm-hmm. I will help you settle down, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like set up your apartment and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I had her for support for the first three months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, the first three months it was, um, first of all, Texas heat is, is, is oh, yes. <laughs> horrible. Oh yes. <laughs> and we moved there in August and it, it's mm-hmm. worse than Mumbai. Like Mumbai, can get humid but yeah. I remember Austin was a uh, dry heat. from the airport yeah yes it's dry heat and um, yeah that was August weather um, so yeah just uh, figuring out the grocery store and you know um, dealing with my landlord my landlord was thankfully very nice mm-hmm. um, but you know it was it was 
a new experience for me like mm. you know um setting up my own apartment and you know getting a mattress <laughs> ordering uh-huh. a mattress online and you know everything you have to do by yourself like mm-hmm. you don't really have help like right. like in india you know if you want to get furniture or you want to get anything like even back then in 2013 like you can just go to your neighborhood store he mm-hmm. will make you your chair or desk or whatever you need and you know he's going to send one guy mm-hmm. and he's going to help you fix it like mm-hmm. you have the help you you have a maid at home mm-hmm. um you can always get someone to come and help you um with the cleaning with the right. plumbing with right. you know uh, there's always some help but mm-hmm. i think that was interesting setting up the apartment where we had to do everything by ourselves like get a microwave mm-hmm. order a mattress mm-hmm. <laughs> and um Yeah, usually so, when we come from India they always say that you know coming to the US makes you very humble because if you come from a, a background that you have like servants and driver and you know a maid and all that we hear you are the driver you are the maid you are the servant you are the plumber so exactly it, it helps you i mean in one way it keeps you humble and it teaches you everything <laughs> so when you go back you know it's it's very it, it takes a while to get adjusted back to that kind of environment again Exactly cool. and you I mean you don't have to be from a you know a rich family like even right. if you're a middle class family right. you know that you have that guy down in mm-hmm. you know your neighbor can help you or anybody mm-hmm. else can help you here like we didn't know our neighbors because mm-hmm. I was moving into that apartment and um you know we had to figure out everything by ourselves you know sometimes the you have to figure out how the geyser switch works mm-hmm. or everything is then the the sockets everything is different it's all opposite <laughs> and, too it's not up and yeah. down it's down and up yeah 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 so it's 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 that plus mixed with the anxiety of starting a course which you know i had no idea if that risk would pay off like mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. i you know i had some confidence that i was good at what i was doing mm-hmm. but i did not know if journalism school was for me like mm-hmm. i you know it was just i knew that two years i was going to do this um i had no intention of quitting like i know a lot of students they get homesick and many mm-hmm. of them want to you know run back to india after the first mm-hmm. year right mm-hmm. or or their home country basically mm-hmm. like many people do give up as well so mm-hmm. that was not on the cards for me because mm-hmm. you know i had taken an education loan i was serious about this this was a course i wanted to complete but mm-hmm. i had no idea if my choice was you know um mm-hmm. the right one mm-hmm. so uh, there was that anxiety there was the anxiety of just setting up the apartment figuring out you know um the campus as well and registering for classes mm-hmm. um that's again something that you don't do in india like right. engineering you just automatically get enrolled in all the classes that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is where you have to go you have to go to the registrar's uh, you know office you have to complete the formalities you have to choose the courses you want in the first year you have electives mm-hmm. and so you have to make all of these decisions mm-hmm. um you know setting up a bank account um as a student um getting a credit card because hey your credit score is so important mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um so so it's doing all of these things but also the anxiety of hey am i going to be able to make new friends am i going to like my professors or am i going to am i going to suck at this or am mm-hmm. i going to you know really ace my classes like mm-hmm. um but so the first 3 months even though my mom was there it helped having her there so that mm-hmm. i didn't have to worry about cooking and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um of course she had obviously taught me a lot of her recipes before i moved so mm-hmm. and she even prepared a recipe book for me so that i could cook prepare her recipes when she wasn't there mm-hmm. i had all of that but at least the first 3 months i didn't have to worry about cooking or really managing the apartment because mm-hmm. she set it up for me mm-hmm. but after those 3 months it was 
all on me like mm-hmm. i had to go out there and you know make friends in my class mm-hmm. um and figure out the campus as well figure out what clubs were on campus what mm-hmm. were the different societies what were the different options available to me mm-hmm. so um we did have those um, introduction nights where you could go and meet other students mm-hmm. on the campus so that mm-hmm. helped but mm-hmm. each time you know you've got to show up you've got to have the courage to kind of go out there introduce yourself and mm-hmm. make new friends mm-hmm. you know so that was all a very intimidating experience mm. so you um so you were there in texas for about a year or was it a two year program it was a two year program okay yeah and so after after you graduated from there um did you go you said you you lived in new york for a bit in new jersey for a bit before you moved back yeah so yeah so i did uh, yeah so i completed the two year course in texas um during that time i did work with a student newspaper i did a couple of internships as well because an internship is mandatory when you're mm-hmm. an international student right. um so over the summer i did want to keep myself occupied but i also wanted to learn something so i did an internship as well and uh, 2015 is when i graduated and after that i was again looking for jobs um because you have the opt period where you can work for a year on your mm-hmm. student visa mm-hmm. so i was looking for jobs it was really difficult i did interview with a lot of people um and you know that was another i would say that was another headache mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's yeah. like you have to send in tons of applications and you're an international student and at some point you know employers know that they have to sponsor your h1b visa so that was another big hindrance um mm-hmm. uh, obviously when i was in india people had told me that you know if you want to stay on in the us for a few years um don't do a journalism degree it's going to be hard to get an h1b with that but you know i still wanted to pursue the course so i went ahead with it but you know like it, like 3 years later in 2015 like i realized that oh this is hard um so i got an internship with a financial publishing firm so it was a temporary job like i just did it for 2 months and mm-hmm. during those 2 months i was still looking out for a full-time job mm-hmm. and luckily i managed to get this um full-time position with cornell university cooperative extension mm-hmm. um which is like a, a small organization which is part of cornell university but they mm-hmm. conduct a lot of programs in the community um you know regarding healthcare education um and so i got a job with them as a communication specialist and this was in their manhattan office mm-hmm. and um yeah so that was so one reason was it was cornell i loved the interview process um mm-hmm. you know because through the interview i got to meet about 6 to 7 people on the team mm-hmm. and um you know during the interview i kind of liked them like i felt that these were the people that i could work with mm-hmm. um that was one reason and the second reason was that i was getting to be in new york um and I honestly did not know when I'm going to get the opportunity to be in New York next. So mm-hmm. I just grabbed the opportunity. I realized, okay, this is it. Let's move to New York. Um let's get out of Texas. Like 2 years in Austin was great. Like I love the city and, you know, the people. But, you know, I wanted to go to New York, which has always been my dream city. Um so I was super excited at the opportunity and I made the move there in August 2015. Okay. So um you moved to New York in August 2015? Yes. Okay. And you, and you ended up staying there for a few months? Yeah, I stayed there till June 2016. Yeah. Okay. So a little less than a year um before you mm-hmm. headed back um headed back to yeah. um India. Oh, okay. So um so then once you moved back, um uh, what, what 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 were your plans? What did you do? 
um so uh, i was always like when i was in new york i had mentally prepared myself that um you know i will have to move back to india if i don't get the h1b visa mm-hmm. and um i by by that time i had started looking up companies even in india so i was doing a bit of research to see what the market was like here and um, you know i had a journalism degree now but then you know after talking to a lot of alumni talking to a lot of people in the industry you know my ex bosses i realized that you know i can pretty much do anything in the communications related field with a journalism degree so i moved back in 2016 in june of that year and i took about 3 months um so from july yeah july august september i took a bit of time to look for jobs here um and at that point of time content marketing as an industry was really booming in india mm-hmm. and um, you know i realized that every team is hiring um, you know for a content writer you know whether it's a media agency or even a corporate a larger corporate they are they're looking for content writers and content is really big right now mm-hmm. and i already had the skill i could write well um i had done a bit of seo writing as well so i was familiar with what was expected of the role and um i realized that i could even apply to corporate communications related roles because mm-hmm. it, the skills are the same you know right. um and so i did you know look up a lot of people on linkedin i contacted them luckily there was a person i had randomly connected with two years ago it was one of those cold linkedin requests and the only connection that we had was um Deloitte but I still you know I connected with her so I did make a lot of connections on LinkedIn mm-hmm. um because you never know um where a conversation can take you you know any person yeah. anywhere can help you in life you never know or you might be able to help them like um so it's good to you know have those connections and to keep at it mm-hmm. um so 2016 I joined the firm called Zerka Digital Solutions and mm-hmm. they're a digital solutions company offering a variety of services like branded content development um advertising related solutions as well so I worked with them as a content writer for about 2 years so i worked with on a lot of campaigns uh, social media campaigns branded mm-hmm. content campaigns with a lot of insurance companies who are our clients mm-hmm. so i also handled internal marketing as well and uh, yeah i worked with them for about 2 years and um, so they were a small firm um, they're still a small firm uh, but you know 80 90 employees and uh, yeah and then 2018 i found this opportunity via that linkedin contact that i had made 2 years ago um, i saw her you know post an ad for a communications associate role with duffin phelps um which is a financial advisory firm uh which is headquartered in new york but they ha- they have a global presence mm-hmm. so it was, you know she posted this ad on linkedin she was already my connection there so i just reached out to her and the rest is history you know i interviewed with the hiring manager i then met the rest of the team i really liked the vibes and the people that i met and it's a global company a huge marketing team so definitely a lot more opportunities um opportunities to handle bigger projects to work with a global team mm-hmm. and i made the switch in 2018 in november uh, and yeah so currently i do work with duffin phelps and i'll be completing 2 years with them now mm-hmm. and it's been a fun ride i still feel like i joined them just yesterday you know it's um and it's really about the people that you work with mm-hmm. um so i remember someone asking me you know how long do you plan to stay there and mm-hmm. 
um, I can say that, you know, I, I never have a definite plan that, oh, I'm going to be in this company for two years or, in, you know, like none of the company for three years. It's really about the people and the bosses that you work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the people that I work with. It's a really uh, young uh, crowd um you know um so my whole marketing team is quite young in a way you know so we vibe well together and you know we whether it's happy hours or whether it's um just you know socializing or you know having fun having those water cooler conversations they really make work fun mm-hmm. and uh, so that's why you know i i don't have a plan yet i i just love my job right now um yeah so um so that's really cool. I mean, that you know, you love what you're doing. So, based on what you have done and where you are uh, right now, what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself? Um, so, uh, one thing is that I really never expected to be in in this career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to someone this morning and um, I said that, you know, I told her that I used to be a very introverted kid, mm-hmm. um, a person who was shy of speaking to strangers. So while I would love performing, you know, whether it was singing or dancing, Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always accompanied by anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. um, performing on a stage wasn't easy. I was always scared going up on stage, performing in front of strangers. I would still do it anyway, but it was not easy doing it. Um, and, you know, even, you know, attending those parties growing up as a kid, I would uh, I would just talk to my friends. I would not um, talk to someone I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always shy as a kid in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and cut to today. Uh, I can talk to pretty much anyone. Mm-hmm. And um, she said that she couldn't believe that, um, you know, she, that I have just set up a conversation with her and, you know, we don't know each other, but we're still able to have a good one hour conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said that truly your, you know, education and your journey has transformed you. And I said, yes, you know, that's one thing that I, that I see in myself that I have changed a lot mm-hmm. as a person, mm-hmm. um, you know, being, uh, you know, being in the US or just studying abroad, um, even my experience in Bahrain, you know, meeting people from other cultures, mm-hmm. um, knowing a little bit about where they come from, what their culture is like, and how they've been have how they've grown up um you know i can see so many similarities i can see the differences but i can see so many similarities that you know at at the core of it we're all the same you know we have the same anxieties we have the same hopes and it has taught me so much more about the world it has exposed me to so many different kinds of ideas mm-hmm. um that today i incorporated in the way i am as a person you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like today i run a community um a lean in community for women in marketing and communications and mm-hmm. you know i kind of translate all of the experiences that i've had um into how i run the community into how i uh, participate in conversations um you know it's made me more giving as a person um it's also made me more confident more self aware mm-hmm. and um you know just willing to learn um you know i'm insanely curious i've realized that mm-hmm. um so and you know that's something that i don't want to lose Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's also made me more humble, you know, mm-hmm. because with so many experiences that you have, uh, mm-hmm. you should know that it's it's not come easy. Mm-hmm. But but you know, remember to be grateful for those experiences, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times people let it get to their head. Um, mm-hmm. 
but i have just become more humble more confident i'm mm-hmm. still proud of whatever i've achieved mm-hmm. and i don't shy away from talking about my accomplishments mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm also grateful and humble to have had those experiences that's pretty cool so uh, now based on your experience if you had to speak to a group of young women going into college what are the top 3 things that you would tell them so number 1 i would tell them don't underestimate your own potential um a lot of times we let self doubt get in the way mm-hmm. uh, we think we can't do something and we have so many fears mm-hmm. um so don't underestimate how your life can turn out mm-hmm. don't underestimate the, your own potential of what you can do in this world and how you can contribute mm-hmm. uh the second thing i would like to say is don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. take those risks you know mm-hmm. even if they are calculated risks take them because mm-hmm. you don't want to be 80 years old having regrets you mm-hmm. know um mm-hmm. you know you'll be 80 years old and you'll think back on your life and say hey i got an opportunity to do this to go to this country but i didn't take that opportunity because i was scared mm-hmm. you know that's the worst reason that you can pick that you were scared to do something you know so mm-hmm. don't have regrets and the third thing that i would like to say is just be up uh, grateful for every experience that comes your way and experiment try a lot of different things because uh, you know passion doesn't come to you you know if you're sitting on the couch waiting for passion to come to you mm-hmm. that's never going to happen mm-hmm. you have to go out there take action you've got to show up and then one day you will discover your passion just because you did things you tried something new mm-hmm. um so yeah so those would be my top 3 pieces of advice that's awesome i think um i think there are a lot of young women um or young people actually who would who could really benefit from that especially in this time of uncertainty so thank you so much krithika i really appreciate you taking the time um to spend with me and um have this conversation and i will be talking to you soon Thank you so much Malini. It's a pleasure being here. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.